Well, for me personally, I, there was never, there couldn't have been anything else. That was just my, my perspective. Like it was so laser focused, and I remember it. And looking back now, I go like, golly, it was just so crystal clear and and vague at the same time because it was the the goal was I'm gonna make it to the NFL. I'm gonna play in the NFL, right? So that's the goal. But when I arrived, right, the goal I'm gonna make it to the NFL. You so you're in it. So now what? Right, there was no goal after that. So it was kind of hollow in that you made, you like, I made it, right? Awesome, like very few do, but but now what, <laughs> right? So it's like, there was no goal after that. Hi, my name's Grant Matos. I'm a former NFL athlete, survivor contestant, yoga instructor. I wrote a book called The Fifth Down, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life, but you can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. This week I'm excited to bring you Grant Matos, who is a former NFL wide receiver uh, for the Chargers, Broncos, and Titans. He was a survivor contestant. He's now a yoga instructor, and he's the author of the book, The Fifth Down, which he now has a Kickstarter campaign because he's trying to self-publish this book. And as soon as I saw the book, I thought that it would be perfect for our audience to hear this book. It's about like transitioning to life after sports and stuff like that. And I feel like we, we got to help this guy you know, get this book published so we can... <laughs> learn from his uh his experiences so grant can you start off by just telling us about you know who you wrote this book for and why you wrote it yeah absolutely thank you for having me on first and foremost um uh i wrote i started writing the book about five years ago um and uh it's been a process um of putting it down coming back to it putting it down because emotionally there's just some aspects that um perspective wise i didn't have a good view on until um, just of this last year, last couple years. Um, so as, at first, it was the book was for for me. I just wanted to. It was very therapeutic in that I could look back on uh, my entire career uh, post NFL as well and kind of um, get a better understanding of, of why the you know why why did I go through all of this? Um, because it wasn't just it started out being something like, hey, I, I want to play in the NFL. You know, like most young boys at, you know, eight years old go, I, I want to play, I want to do what I see on TV, right? But it turned out it went much deeper than just that, which I dive into, into the book and didn't really understand it until I had really fleshed out the entire novel or the entire memoir. So yeah, it started out as being for me. And then as I finished it, it turned out to be, you know, a, a, a book for my dad, a book for my for my mom, a book for uh, my family, just to give them an idea, a sense of where I went. Because I cut everybody off after the after my NFL career ended. I, I cut everybody off and I disappeared in the in the deserts of Las Vegas for about a year and a half and dragged along the bottom for that time, just trying to figure out who I was without this game in my life. So, yeah, so kind of superficially, you know, without diving too much into like what, what's already in the book, you know, like when you talk about this kind of emotional, these emotional struggles that you had, you know, I mean, I dealt with the same thing trying to transition from my life after sports. And I, I know everyone listening to this can probably relate to the same thing, but what right. about writing helped you kind of 
piece all of this together? Oh man, it's it's interesting because you, at least for me, I, I I store a lot of. I mean, we all do. I mean, we store a lot of memories, a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions way back in the in the back of our minds, or at least in my mind, I had a lot that came up as I started to write out these stories. You know, very specific stories about moments throughout my career that really made an impact or had an impact. And uh, the more and more that I wrote, the more and more clear it became um, as, like I mentioned, why I did what I did, why I chose the path that I chose. And it was never, um, I guess to make it just simply, it was never really my dream that I was going after. It was my father's dream. You know what I mean? Gotcha, yeah. I didn't understand that at the time um, because, you know, my father, he was in my life until about eight and then he disappeared, somewhat disappeared, uh, left our family. And and so my connection was football equaled time with my dad, right? Really intimate moments with my dad. And that was the the connection that I had. You know, and everybody's father-son relationship, super powerful, right? So that just evolved over the years. And then what's interesting is I ended up as as you know, high school went to junior college. Junior college went to you know scholarship to USC. He became more and more involved in my life, and he's all he always was there. And it's it, it there was both good and bad aspects to it, uh, or challenging aspects, I should say. But the higher up I got, the more I pushed away from him. I began to push away from him for what, I, and I didn't understand it at the time. I just knew I didn't. I wanted to be in his life, but without the football aspect, if that makes sense. Right, because maybe you felt like he was only trying to be in because of football, like because of yeah. the the success yeah. you saw. Yeah, our communication revolved around that. It was mainly football based, and I was, you know, after ten years of it, was um, you know, at eighteen or nineteen, was already just like I'm more. I, I know that I'm more than this, but this is all I identify with is this football thing, right? And I'm good at it, so it's being supported, right, by other people. Um, and so naturally, yeah, I, I ended up making it to the NFL and and, um, and then really having a come to Jesus with like, okay, <laughs> okay, this is not this is not anything that I expected it to be. Um, and now what? You know, that, that kind of question right. popped up. Before we move on from that point, you said right. when you were 18 years old, you kind of had the realization that you weren't just a football player, but football was like, you're, you're very successful at it, so it's kind of a thing that just came naturally. So... I think that's like a mature, uh, I guess, thought to have at that young of an age. So, like, where do you think that came from? Um, that's a great question. Um, it was it was more a fleeting thought. There was never any. Um, I didn't investigate it. I just I just assumed that. Um, like most, like, you know, most, most athletes, like there's that, there's, there's a one track mindset of if I'm going to do this, I have to be there, like almost having blinders on. Right. So these thoughts would come in and be like, but I think I'm more than this. Uh, but you know, screw it. I have to stay focused on just this tunnel vision viewpoint of this is where I'm going. This is what I need to do to get there. And so it would enter in and then I would, you know, I, I really questioned it for like, you know, a day or so, and then it would just be gone right the next. So it never really impacted until I started writing or well, until my career ended is when it really started to get deep. And that question was just pounding every single day. You know what I mean? And the depression, my depression level went from uh, minimal to maximum in a short period of time. Um, 
So yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was something that was like a major like light bulb moment. It would just pop in every once in a while. And I would just, like I always did, I would just sh shove it away or shoot it away, swish it away. Do you think that you could have reached the levels that you did, like playing at USC and playing in the NFL without having that tunnel focus? Like, could you have ha had another hobby on the side or, and did you? Well, for me personally, I, there was never, there couldn't have been anything else. That was just my, my pursuit. Like it was so laser focused and I remember it. And looking back now, I go like, golly, it was just so crystal clear and, and vague at the same time, because it was the, the goal was I'm going to make it to the NFL. I'm going to play in the NFL. Right. So that's the goal. But when I arrived, right, the goal, I'm going to make it to the NFL. You, so you're in it. So now what? Right. There was no goal after that. Right. So it was kind of hollow in that you made you like I made it right. Awesome. Like very few do. But but now what? <laughs> right. So it's like there was no goal after that. So it was like 15 year plus years of work. And you you arrive. You're like, holy shit. OK, I'm here. Um, <laughs> and then there's not a goal after that. So I think if if I could go back and do it again, uh I, I think I would I would have a better, I don't want to say plan, but a roadmap of when I actually did arrive. Because there was never a question if, if I was going to. It was just a matter of when. And then once I did arrive, what was the next? What were the next steps going to be? Right. I think that's a, probably a common thing with, with most of the athletes. Like, yeah, you have this dream your whole entire life, and, like, very few people actually achieve it. So when you do achieve it, you're like, oh, crap, like – now what the hell do I do? So, <laughs> like you know, like as an athlete, like it's 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 one of those things. Like you just you do. It's almost like you're robotic in that you have a certain things that certain things that need to get done. You do them, um, uh, and they work. And the goal in mind is to take it to the highest level you can. And then when you do, it's like, oh yeah, nice. Okay, I did. And there's all this perception, this perceived. Um, by everybody outside of the of the game of like, oh, you made it. So you must be these things, right? You must be wealthy. You must be financially better off, right? You must be happy. You must be um, all these different things that come with like, hey, I watch this every Sunday. These guys have the dream life, right? But what they don't see is all the work that goes in, on in the off season, all the work that goes on um during season like it's not just like hey once a week we'll play right so i think that's where it gets frustrating too as a as a player when it's all over where they understand people go oh you played you know and so what's your name i'm like you're not going to know who i am right <laughs> but so then no 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 i'm really good i, I know I, I know a lot of players and you know even unknowns and then you say your name and they just go they give you that questioning look of like oh yeah like recall like i know and it's like oh and then I, my favorite question would be well do you think you could either one give me a tryout or two do you think i could play at that level and i just know what i it was it, these questions of i would i was really they would be really upsetting <laughs> right because you'd be like you've got 20 years of work it's boiled down into what's your name and i don't know you right right so there's no validation there at the same time it's this internal civil war that that happens i think for a lot of guys as yeah, i mean you might have experienced as well uh, yeah i think that's a good way to put it an internal civil war yeah you're like uh, working right. against yourself yeah exactly yeah so what what do you want people to get from this book like athletes and non-athletes like what's your hope for after reading it well so after completing it and um having a, a good friend of mine um 
do some editing on it. Uh, it the the main message through it was really interesting because it wasn't just sports based. In fact, it was really um, touched on um, relationships and broken homes and alcoholism and drug abuse and um, and all these things that I didn't realize actually the story it contained. Right. So athletes and non-athletes alike, I think can everyone as a human being can understand when you've done something for so long and that you are convinced this is what I'm put on this earth to do. And then when that gets like the rugs pulled out from under you, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a big fall that I think everybody at least once in their life experiences, right. Where you think you've got everything figured out in this life and, and then you realize that you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that you, you, you may never figure it out, but I think it's being open to, to, to even when you're at the, your lowest point and it's like, cause I was, it was really, really low and really, really bad in Las Vegas. Um, there, there's always a way out, right? And there's always uh, a second chapter, so to speak of, of your life you, that you can read you. It's just you making the choice and the decision to do that, right? Because I could have stayed, and, and I, I think I, yeah, while I was writing the book, I was thinking about it too. Like I could have stayed in my situation in Las Vegas. Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have noticed. Nobody, I, I, I would have just lived life as a, as a homeless dude in Las Vegas, right? And that, and that would be the story. And no one would ever hear it. Um, luckily, I had a really good friend who like literally pulled me out of that situation and he brought me back to life. Essentially. He let me stay on his couch in Los Angeles. He, uh, he got me a job. Uh, and so from that job that he got me is when I found yoga. Um, and I also met my wife at this, at this job, right at this gym. Um, and, uh, stuff's just starting unfolding from, from there in a positive way. Yeah. I, I think that like, you said like you kind of make the decision to get out of that bad situation that you were in. And I think back to your, your analogy of like the internal civil war that you have against yourself. Like you have to allow your thoughts to accept an alternative or, or a way out, you know, like if you're constantly berating yourself with these negative thoughts, I'm never going to be nothing. I'm just going to stay in Las Vegas searching the desert for strippers and cocaine. Like they say in uh, the hangover, uh, Know what I mean? Well, yeah. and it, what made it worse? What made it more? I would say worse, but what added to on top of it was I was actually now in Vegas. I was working at the Spearmint Rhino as a barback, and so this gentleman's club that I used to visit with, you know, uh, uh, former pl- or players that um, like during the off season, I'm now working at that place. Right. So I'm not a patron anymore. I'm now behind the scenes working at this place and and, you know, making measly money um, and just just surviving. And uh, it, 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 I, I don't know if I if I didn't have a friend who actually literally like and it's, it, it's this is you can't sometimes it's important to remember, too, that at least I, for me, I'm not sure I could have done this by myself. Um, taking myself from that place in Las Vegas, that dark place and found a, a better place. It, it took, you know, a friend actually. And I think everybody has that in their life. Somebody, at least one person that, you know, will sh- show them there's a way uh, if they're in that place, a dark place. Yeah. I'm also curious because you went from being, 
you know, an elite level athlete in the NFL, right. which like you always try to stay as healthy as you possibly can to make sure you stay on the field. And then you right. go from like, I didn't know this part about your story with like the Las Vegas thing. And obviously yeah. it was, you're probably making pretty unhealthy decisions at the time. And then you <laughs> go from that to being like a yoga instructor and really prioritizing your health again. So <laughs> yeah, it's cool, but it's cool. You've kind of like came full circle, but yeah. I guess I'm curious, like, was it, the depression of like trying to find your new identity that kind of triggered that downward spiral for a little bit or, you know, what exactly yeah, was it? It was, it was definitely that it was, it was just trying to understand who I was without this game in my life anymore. Right. And you being an athlete, you can understand, right. You understand like you go from being, I am this person to now I am dot, 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 because that's no, you identified with that. Or you say, I'm a former professional athlete right and then unfolds the whole conversation of who what where how long um uh so in in trying to find out who that was it became really it, quickly that i didn't know who that was and that it was going to be really challenging to actually go through and um face all the things that i was able to face while writing this book that i wasn't willing to uh right after my career and i think that's so my 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 mo from eight years old on was when anything challenging comes up outside of football, if it wasn't football related, it didn't matter. And so I would run the other direction. Like it would just be like, you know, I, I, I would look, push it away. I wouldn't deal with it. I would just let it does. It doesn't deal with football. It's out of it. Like I didn't pay it any mind. Right. So I attempted to do the same thing after my career ended and, and it didn't, <laughs> as you said, it doesn't, it didn't work. Yeah. You didn't have that, that, laser focused anymore you didn't have a reason to have that laser focus anymore exactly. so you're kind of like just picking up like anything yeah, that kind of came at you anything, right and and it was interesting because i would get advice from you know from from friends and from here's what you should do here's what i think you should do you know you'd be really good at you should do this you should do, like and I, and it was so i was literally just like a leaf blowing in the wind i would whatever somebody else thought i was good at or should do i did i already tried right because oh they know they must know like what I should be doing, right? And so, and then I realized like that's not how it works. And uh, instead of dealing with it, uh, I didn't, and I, I I left Los Angeles and moved to to Vegas. So, how did your football career actually end? Was it an injury, or was it just getting cut in training um, camp? Or well, no, I let's see. In uh, I got released from the Titans. Um, and I went back to LA and a friend found me a job because I was ready to, I was done. I was like, okay, this is obviously I'd run out of money. Um, I couldn't afford to keep bouncing around from city to city. Uh, and so he got me a job. I was bartending, um, at a, a hotel restaurant called Asia de Cuba on sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, uh, the real fancy hotel. And uh, I got a call from my agent one day, say, or my former agent, um, saying, hey, the, the Oakland Raiders want you to come in for a workout. And it's like six months after I had, I had stopped working out. I had stopped, you know, the mindset of like needing to be, uh, it was gone, right? Needing to be an NFL player. I was, I was letting it go slowly but surely. But then I got this call. And so I'm like, well, I'll, you know, that identity of like, hey, maybe this is the team. Maybe this might be the one that sticks, right? And the, yeah. and the contracts and all the, the, the money, the promised but not promised money. And <laughs> and so I flew out there. Well, I slept through my alarm. I missed the first flight. 
uh, out to Oakland uh, the next morning. Um, I got on the next one, showed up, and it was just, I mean, sleeping through an alarm should have been in, like a telltale sign, like, dude. Yeah, that probably you know wasn't a good, good start. It wasn't a good start at all, dude. So I showed up, but I did, I, there was one thing throughout my career. I was always really good at these workouts, like these, you know, they have you run a 40, you run some routes, you, like, I'm, I'm good at that. Like, I really could excel, I excelled in, in those short periods of time. So I did the workout. Um, the head coach at the time was uh, Lane Kiffin. He was my wide receiver coach at USC. And he's like, I want to bring you in here and you can show these guys how to work. Because that's that was my thing. I was a really hard worker, like beyond the beyond. Um, and I'm like, uh, in my mind, I'm going, it sounds great, but I'm just tired. Like my injuries, like I had stopped taking opiates um, for six because I was, I was addicted to them by the time my career ended. Uh, I stopped taking them. And so my my body was just in pain, right? My surgeries uh, and all the past injuries and whatnot, broken bones and stuff. So as I'm going through this workout, I know I'm like, I can get through this day and be really excel. Um, but if you ask me to come and do the same thing the next day, it was like, no, it can't, it's not happening, right? Um, and so I got through the workout. They loved it. They're like, okay, so training camp, it starts in, it started, I think, in like two weeks. And they're like, here's a playbook. And I'm sitting in the Oakland Raiders practice facility. I have this playbook underneath my or beneath between my feet, and I'm in somebody's locker. I'm looking around at all the lockers, you know, of all the four, of the players, current players, and the helmets, the pads, the smell of the locker room, right? The black and silver carpet, like, and and I come to this realization in my head. I'm like, I can't do this, man. I can't do this anymore. I can't go through another training camp of like the all that it takes to go through a training camp um the mental the physical and so as 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 soon as those thoughts were in my head the assistant wide receivers coach came in he asked how i was doing he's like are you uh how are you feeling about uh you know coming to camp and I laughed and I put my head down and it's so it's almost like he could read my mind because he said he's like you know what he was a former player as well he's like I played for I chased this dream for eight years right and I wish I had stopped at around the fourth or fifth year but I kept chasing it for eight and I regret the time that I missed because of it. And I looked up and I almost started crying because it was just like, oh my God, because I was my fifth, I was going into my fifth like training camp. And I'm like, I could keep on doing this. And it was, I don't know how he knew, but he, I must've had it written on my face, obviously, right? But he, and I took that as a sign and it was just like, you know, I, I, I didn't have the courage to tell him that I wasn't coming, but I was like, yeah, I'm like, thank you for the talk. And um, yeah, I'm just tired. I told him I was just really tired, right? And uh and so I took the playbook home. I and that afternoon I caught caught the flight back, got home. And that afternoon I told my agent I was just like I can't I can't do this anymore. And he's like, Well, this might be your last chance ever at this dream. And I'm like, That's fine. And so that's how it ended. Um, I, I I I flipped it to a positive by saying that I got it. I had the I got to choose when my career ended versus being told, Hey, we're letting you go. Yeah. So it was powerful in that regard. Um, but uh, that's when the real coming 
facing everything that I had run from my entire life started to come up. And so it was just one thing after another stacked and stacked after that. And you said even at this time you were kind of struggling financially. So even like the financial yeah. incentive to play wasn't enough oh. to keep you going. No, because I knew what it would take. And I knew, they, I mean, the team that year, like they had so many receivers going into training camp. And it was like there's eight guys fighting for four spots, maybe five or ten guys. So I would have to do something pretty magical to be able to jump. I mean, you had guys like Randy Moss were there and you had like um, all these well-known receivers. And I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And moreover, I don't, I didn't have the drive to do it anymore. My body just wouldn't have held up. I don't think, or it might've, I don't know, but I didn't, I knew at the time that's not the route I wanted to take. I wanted to start a new chapter. I wanted to, I wanted to write stories. I wanted to be a, a, an actor. I wanted to do all these different things that I have been on hold for 15, 20 years of my life. Right. And so I was ready to, to explore that. Cool. So while we're kind of on the topic of injuries, what injuries did you yeah. struggle with throughout your career? Ah, well, the injury started early for me. Um, I, in high school, I worked so hard. My, my dad's thing, his, his main line of encouragement was what you do when nobody's watching is going to determine, right, or is going to separate you from all the rest, right? And so I took that and I worked as hard as I could. I worked so hard by my senior year, just before our season, my senior year of high school, the cartilage in my right hip had ground down to almost nothing. Yeah, dude. So I worked that like it was insane the amount that I worked. I just figured more is better, right? And that's the mentality I had. We all think and that, so yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, right? More is better, right? Until there's something physically goes like, yo, like, cool it. Like, you're doing enough. Like, relax. <laughs> so I had worn down the cartilage on my hip and I had my senior year, I, I, um, I rehabbed it. I... Um, uh, they, I did every, as much as I could before surgery was actually necessary. And so I, pre-surgery, I came back for like the last, I think it was one of the last games of the high school season, uh, caught a couple passes and then broke my collarbone in the, in that game, in the same game. So my, the season was over my career high school career done any chance of scholarships gone. Right. And, um, even then I was like, okay, so well, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this, right? Like, that's the next step. You go to college. Um, and so I went to junior college instead. And I, I mean, injury-wise there, uh, nothing major. Um, it wasn't until I got to SC that um, concussions, um, knee injuries, more hip injuries, more um, collar, like anything and everything, open dislocations, uh the concussions were the scariest thing, though, because those were something that was considered okay, or it wasn't viewed like you 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 were the only one who knew, right? Because it wasn't like you'd get a concussion, you get a, it was just like you got your bell rung, and so the varying degrees of that, I, who knows how many I had at SC, and then when I did get to the NFL, I was like a human Swiss Army knife. I did everything, right? Kickoff, kickoff returns, all special teams, everything, and so like my head was taking a beating, but it was normal, right? And then now, post, I go like, I cringe because it's like, oh man, there were probably a lot of times that I shouldn't have been playing, but it was not an option for me because it was like, there was so many people waiting behind me to take my spot because I was, I was an undrafted free agent. So I didn't have a choice as to whether I needed to play. I needed to play, right? 
Um, yeah. yeah, it's tough for those fringe guys. I, the interview I just posted yesterday was with a fringe yeah. linebacker who's struggling with post concussion syndrome for the last two years. Yeah, and it's Dude. like these guys are fighting for a job, and like yeah. you, you can't take care of yourself because then you're just gonna lose your job. So it's like a really tough dynamic. It's such a it's so funny. It's not funny, but it's interesting because oh God, especially at the linebacker position, I can't even imagine like. Uh, um, but it's this again. It's it's an internal civil war that you're having with yourself. You know, to some degree, that what I'm doing is actually making things worse. Um, but again, you have the blinders on, and you're like, "This is what I need to do to get to where I want to be." And it, it's your toughness is is gauged on that. Like, oh, you got your bell rung, you're back up, you're back in, right? Coaches love that shit, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like, okay, my man, in fact, I hit somebody so hard that my head and their head probably hurts, but I'm getting told and like, fuck, yeah, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how you play. Like the, yeah, you're so praised for it. Yeah. Praised for it. Right. And yeah. then it's like, oh dude, I don't <laughs> like, yeah. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting, um, culture in that. And then, you know, we thrive as, as fans and everything, everything, they thrive off that. Right. Like the hard hits and, and all that stuff. And that's part of the game. Um, I guess, but I don't know, looking back, like while I was in it, I couldn't see that. Like if I heard me talking while I was playing, I'd be like, well, that's just the way of the game. I'm just glad that I have a, I have, I have a daughter, my wife and I have a daughter that I don't have to explain this to our son. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a little easier decision for you. Yeah. Right. You don't have to put on a helmet if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. so during these injuries, how, do you remember like how you felt like mental, mentally, emotionally, and like, you know, I guess physically, because a lot of the interviews I do are athletes overcoming injuries, either tra- transitioning back onto the field or to a yeah. life after sports. So how, how did you handle these injuries when, when they happened? I handled them myself as best I could, because the t- if you, ah, the training room protocol was like, it, they had a, a protocol for hamstring pull. They had a protocol for a number of different injuries, right? And if it didn't, if you didn't fit into their box of progress, of um, of the the ice and stim machines, of the the fucking um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the machine that they use, but um, ultrasound and all this, you know, all that I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, if you didn't fit into that protocol, then something was either wrong or you were progressing fine. Because I had such a great physical therapist when I'm for my hip, it was the same physical therapist that got Jerry Rice back on the field so quickly after his knee um, surgery. Um, I knew what I needed to do to uh, to get back on the field quicker than what they were doing. So if I could hide my injuries um, and then to take care of them myself, I could. Some of them I couldn't. Um, but emotionally, um, you feel like, at least I felt, I felt like I was weak and, um, just really fragile, um, because there was this unspoken from coaches and from the higher ups of if they see you sitting or you're getting treatment on something that you're, you're like the weak one in the pack kind of, and to stay away kind of, it's almost like you're, um, you're on a different uh, island almost like, Oh, this is the injured people. Well, you better get out. Like it's not a happy place. Training rooms are never a happy place. Right. A lot of sadness in there. And, um, <laughs> so I tried to stay away from them as much as possible and just, and like I said, I would, I would, 
create a routine for myself. I knew my body well enough to create a routine that would actually get me, keep me somewhat healthy. And then eventually over the time, keep me healed. Right. So get me healed. So while we're kind of on the topic, we we've, we've talked a little bit about toughness in the last couple questions. And this yeah. is usually a question I save for the end, but I feel like it's a good time to ask you now. So yeah. what is your definition of toughness and how has that evolved over time? Oh guys. So I would say, uh, football player grant, the toughness would be, um, my physical endurance and how hard I could hit somebody. Me that too, would be yeah. right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. You know it, you know it. And so it's like post that, um, I'd say my, the toughness for me is, doing things that make me feel uncomfortable, even from an emotional standpoint, facing fears, um, having the courage to speak, like doing what we're doing now, to speak um, my truth about what I experienced um, and what I'm, what I'm currently going through. And so I think that for me is, is just, if not more, I think it's more um, being more tough than um, than being able to hit somebody really hard because that's really easy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always give the example of like with my injury, I don't know how much you, you looked into my story, but basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I almost died playing football because I was too afraid to tell my coach or the athletic trainer that my head was killing me because I had a concussion. Yeah, dude. yeah. That's incredible. What was that like for you? Like what? Well, I mean, it's just exactly what we're talking about. Like I, I prioritize like the team and everything else above my own personal health, but what would have been a, a better expression of toughness with what I know now is actually telling my coach that I'm too hurt to play. Like that would have been a tougher right. decision at the time than it was to just go through the motions and like, you know, throw my oh, body around dude. like I was used to. So that's not tough. Dude. Like anyone could do that. Yeah, yeah, but at the time though, like your mentality—I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong—but it was probably it was a, being tough was yeah, no, I'm not gonna tell him right. I'm gonna right. keep doing what I'm doing right because that's what being tough—that's what um, being a man is all about. And it's this whole skewed view. I I may, uh, in in I was with Detroit for a brief period during a training camp, and coach Steve Mariucci was the coach, and I had uh, hyperextended my knee first day I got there, hyperextended my knee and. The second practice, um, I decided I'm like, fuck this. Like, cause Denver just let me go. I went to their training camp in Detroit and I'm like, I'm, I'm just being used as a body. I'm not going to further this injury. Right. Because if somebody else may come calling. And so I, I chose, I said, well, the trainers are like, you're clear to practice. And I'm like, no, I'm not practicing. Right. And so it was the first time I took a stand for myself. I said, no, I'm not practicing. So I go out to practice in my clothes half stretch with the team and coach Mary, she, Steve Mary, she comes up to me and he goes like, so how's the, how's the knee? I'm like, uh, and he's like, can you practice? And he's, and I'm like, I could, but it wouldn't be pretty. And he like kind of grimaced that he looked off in the distance with a group. <laughs> he was like, and he just said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And he just, he walked away shaking his head and I knew I'm like, okay, I'm, my time here is like, and I was gone the next day which I was fine with. I was like, I'm, I'm, I need to get out of here. I need to mourn my death in Denver first, <laughs> right? Before I try and make another team. But, um, 
there it didn't feel good telling him that so like to bring it back around like telling him like hey my knee i don't actually want to be here one and two i don't want to further risk damaging the my knee to to play for a team that i don't really want to play for and i felt like i felt so small after that i remember i felt so small because like you said it was like toughness was you tough that you tough it out you get back on the field it's hyper extended knee who cares right Right. And I, I think it's but, interesting that you felt small after that. Like, yeah. based off of what we're talking about now, like, to me, that's a freaking tough thing to do. You went to a freaking up to an NFL head football coach and told him, like, no, nah, I'm not playing, dude. Like, I'm not going to further risk my knee for you kind of thing. Um, right. And you felt small. But to me, Super. that's like the toughest thing you could have done. And Re, right now, you and I right now, we can have that conversation, right? And we we're t- saying, yeah, for sure. And I totally agree with you. And But if we back then, like if in our mindset then, we, we I think it would have been different, right? Or at least it was for me. I felt small because I believed being tough was you get back out there, right? Right. And that's, I mean, if something's pounding in your head long enough, let, since flag football, yeah. right? Like you get, you I, I getting a knee to the temple in flag football at like eight years old and it's concussion for sure. But being like, Hey, get back out there. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Dude, something just happened. I don't think it's right. Yeah. And that, that's why I, I ask the question in every interview I do, because I'm trying to redefine what toughness is for young athletes growing up because yeah. it, it, who cares? Like, yeah, you can go play play with that injury and like further hurt yourself, but like you can't play next week. So like, what's the point? If you can't play yeah. next week, then what's the freaking point? Like, you could be as tough as you, you want to, quote unquote. But yeah, do you know what's so tough too about it all though? Is because like if you think about it, I I I think about it like would I be able? Would my childhood self and adolescent self and you know and in my twenties self be able to hear what I'm saying now? Because I I honestly I don't think I would. I would I would look at what I'm saying now as that as that young player and be like that's not going to be my story. Right? That's not going to be me. That's so it's such a challenge because until you go through it, it's really hard like I I don't know yes, you can I think I think some people will hear it. Some of the younger guys will hear it. But I think there's also like with anything, there will be a portion that are just like not like that's not going to be my story until maybe you know the career ends and I don't know. It's just an interesting thing I think about it quite a bit. Yeah, so, I, you, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. What were we gonna ask? I was gonna say, do you do do you think if you were talking to your younger self, you would have been you would hear yourself? Yeah, I think that I play that scenario through my head all the time, and honestly. I don't think I would have knowing what I know now, even like yeah. the severity of my injury, I probably still would have made the same decision because I was like too afraid of like what the consequences that I conjured up in my mind, like what they would right. have been. Uh, Dude, that must've been scary, man. That, that, that moment for you. Well, I, I talked myself into thinking there was nothing wrong. So yeah. it wasn't that scary to be honest, you know, True. Yeah. True enough. it wasn't scary until they told me they were going to drill into my skull to relieve the pressure on my brain. And then that was, then it got kind of real, but Dude. <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, what's happening? Yeah. I'm more <laughs> like, I'm like, no, not my haircut. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that would be something that I would think about too, right? <laughs> yeah. My hair, I got it perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's got a sick fade. I'm like, you can't mess that up. Yeah. I do. <laughs> 
but, <laughs> yeah, but but before we get off the toughness thing, maybe it's not reaching the younger players. It's reaching the people who are in our situation, who had the injury, who are still struggling yeah. and haven't kind of come to the realization of like, yeah, my definition of toughness is what ultimately ended my career or whatever. And they're the ones who now coach these young kids and don't yeah. tell them like, suck it up. Like you're being, you know, a sissy or whatever. Yeah. Good point. Really yeah. good point. Could be I, like I a lot of guys that I played with or not a lot, but a few that still are trying to figure out, um, their place in the world and, and, um, facing their experience and actually being able to have a conversation with themselves like you and I are having right now, um, and be okay with it. Like, I think, yeah, I think you're right on. Like this definitely helps, especially guys just finishing. I, Cause I wish I had something like this as I was finished. Cause I felt, I almost felt like a good friend of mine that I played with, um, Nate Jackson, I know Nate's story. I read his book too. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Right. So he, yeah. he liked it. I just did a, uh, we did a podcast over the summer, um, talking about all this stuff too. And he, he likened it to, okay, so you're in the NFL, you're on this big party ship cruise boat in the middle of the ocean. And then when, when you're, when your career is done, it's like they throw you off the back of the boat and all you see is this cruise ship in the night. It's, you're in the freaking middle of the ocean, choppy waves, this ocean, this cruiser is just, getting farther and farther and farther away. The party's drifting off. Um, oh gosh, where, what? I was going somewhere with that. And now I lost my train of thought. Well, you're just, you're explaining what it's like, what it's like to transition from football. And I, right. in, in my situation, it wasn't really a cruise ship. It was more of like a tugboat that I got tossed off the back of. Cause I, I was still in high school. <laughs> but That's better. You just topped it. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's a, either way. It's a freaking crappy feeling that most guys probably have when they're done. But I can only imagine it being harder for you guys because not only did you have you had more years to reinforce kind of this identity that you guys did ultimately live up to. Right. Uh, do you, do you ever worry about like your future health, like based off of the hits to the head and stuff like that? I do. I'm a I'm a pretty I'm a positive guy. Um, and very optimistic and um but sometimes every once in a while like and my wife will point it out too like my short and long-term memory isn't um as sharp like even when we were just conversing this will happen every once in a while just a moment ago like my train of thought will just start to <laughs> drift away and i'll have a, a tough time connecting like okay i started here but i was talking about this what was i making a point of do you know what i mean yeah so that'll happen every once in a while and i kind of i uh it can concerns it raises some concern but again i just my mind i habitually practice positive reinforcements um whether it's through exercises or meditation uh yoga like so i go immediately go to from a negative headspace to a positive headspace cool. so i think that's really the only thing like I have control over that, so I can control it, and my mind just automatically goes into a optimistic, positive place. But I do sometimes. I do. I, I'm concerned about it. Yeah, I love that you kind of replace the the negative with the positive. Because in all actuality, yeah. you might not. It might not even be like your cognitive decline. It could just be that you have a million things going on. You have a book launch you're trying to do. You're thinking of like Maybe. a million things. So like, how could? Yeah, of course you're gonna like you know have some mishaps with your thought process sometimes I do it all the time like 
I walk yeah. into rooms constantly. I'm like, why, why the hell was I here again? And then I'm like, yeah. I walk yeah. out and I'm like, oh yeah, that was why. And then, but I'm like, I got the podcast. I got a full-time job. I'm like, I'm doing all yeah. this stuff. I'm like, I try to cut myself a little slack. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right. It's true. Because it's, I think that's an important lesson, right? Give yourself a little slack, cut yourself a little slack. Yeah. Um, I saw you are, are connected with team Gleason and, I kind of yeah. like the saddest story on the face of the earth. If you watch That's, the documentary, it's like terrible. But well, it's super terrible. But at the same time, though, I think because I went to pre pre documentary launch, uh, Nate Jackson and I, he invited me to go to. Um, they were raising funds for it, I think, in Los Angeles to get it off the ground, and they showed clips from the documentary. And I was so touched by it because, I mean, we all can um, imagine what that reality is like, right? But for this, for Steve to have such a positive outlook on it, like, I mean, and the whole, you know, as he's discovering this, his wife's pregnant, they're having a child, right? And he's going to be a dad, like knowing that his case is his, his getting worse every year, right? Every month. For, for um, the listeners, sorry to cut you off. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Grant, yeah. But for the listeners, uh, Team Gleason, the story is that, is a football player who was eventually diagnosed with ALS and he kind of documents his, I guess, progression of the disease. And it's for his son that's born. It's very touching story, but definitely have some tissues close by. If you end up uh, watching, I'll link it up in the show notes, but it's yeah. And so I was so touched by that. I, um, I, I wanted to help in any way I could. So I, I, um, about a year after going to that event, I, went to new orleans and ran the um i ran a, a 10k marathon and and raised funds to help support um team gleason and um it was just a really powerful experience being able to see all the people come together that were affected know somebody affected by als or um just and for my case going to support steve and uh, and just yeah it was really powerful just to be able to to be a part of of that and hopefully if this book uh, the book reaches a certain amount. Um, I'll get to go back and I'll run it again and donate a good chunk of, uh, what's raised to the cause. So, um, yeah, we'll link all that up in the show notes too, with, with all your, 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 your donation plans. Uh, we'll get that. We'll, we'll talk about that at, at the end, like where everyone could, could do that. Um, so let's talk about survivor. Like how did that come about and how did that help or hurt your, uh, Oh, dude, it was super Your transition, helpful. yeah. Yeah, the, so it wasn't until, like, my wife didn't come into my life, the survivor didn't come into my life until I was at a place where I, I lo- actually lo- liked myself and more than that, loved myself again. It was post-Las Vegas. It was, um, I was in a really good space of, like, you know what? Because I wanted a family. I, I knew I wanted, um, a, you know, a partner in my life kids um but i got to a point where i was like you know what maybe it's just not gonna happen and and the moment that in in my heart was like and that's okay like i'm okay being but you know just with myself that's when all these things started to open up and it was really really fascinating because i I could go either way and even after the first date with my wife where i knew sitting across from i was like oh my god this is the one this is my person this is my soulmate I still had a decision. I could go down the path I was on, or I could go down this much 
more full path with this person who could raise me to a level that maybe I, or I could raise myself to a level because she sees me in a way that I never saw myself. So um, the survivor thing happened right as that was all coming together with my wife. And, um, and I was in such a good headspace and it really uh, solidified my, my belief in, in, who I was. I was no longer the football player. I was, I was me and that was enough. And, uh, and so I got to do it in a really extreme way, survivor, um, where you're starved. Like I literally lost, I lost 36 pounds in weight that I didn't have to lose. Right. You <laughs> like, were a big, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was not like overweight. I tried to put weight on for it when I found out that I was going and it didn't, I gained like eight pounds. Like, and I was like, <laughs> Nothing. So when I got there, you get, you know, when you actually start playing the game, um, you're on like a couple hundred calorie diet a day, if that, maybe a hundred, 150, like literally. So you're, you're starving. Your body thinks it's dying. So after 30, I was there, I lasted 36 days or 37 days out of 39. And, uh, and things just get really clear. You get really clear when you're in such an extreme situation. Your body and brain don't know the difference between what's real and what's a game. So it thinks it's dying. Your brain starts to function like it's dying and you start seeing things, hallucinating. Um, I had luckily had my meditation and yoga practice, which I did by myself out there. And it's just I like just like a clarity of where my life was going and what I was doing next. And I think that's what I was, had been searching for all along. I just didn't know how to get to that place after, right after my NFL career ended. And so this was like a kind of a big boost or a push in the right direction of like, Hey, this is a really extreme situation, but you can let that life go now and get on with this next chapter of your life. Like, so it was, it was powerful in that regard. Do you have like okay. a, a best lesson learned from that experience? To, yeah, to not think and just act. Like you're, you're gut, the, that whole thing of your, um, you've got a gut feeling about something, right? And yeah. it's usually right. It's usually right because, right? So my gut like was, I took a, a leap of faith in that. I knew this was the, like my wife, Christina, was the woman I wanted to marry. And I could put it off and I could have put it off and been like, well, let's just see, right? I'll let fear kind of inch its way in and be like, well, we'll see how it goes. But I knew that this was the person I was going to marry. We're going to have a family together. And so when I got back, um, got off the plane from Nicaragua to, uh, in L.A., first word, I asked her to marry me right at the airport. And so that just led to a whole, like I started teaching yoga after that. And it was just like a, just don't talk about it, act, just do, do right. And when you feel something that's right, uh, in your whole body, it's usually a sign that, yeah, do it. Right. So yeah, it was a big lesson in just not letting fear run my life anymore. Cause it was all fear-based my whole life up until that point of discovering myself was all fear-based, even with football. It's like the fear of getting cut, the fear of, uh, not having a good practice, the fear of, not being good enough, right? My self-worth was based on how how well I could catch a ball, right? Like, or how hard I could hit somebody, right? Um, so it was nice to be not led around by that person anymore, that that emotion. 
Right, you're taking control. And I think there's a lot to be said about gut instincts and acting on those. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so you said when you got back, you started teaching yoga and everything. So you're I, obviously you're big into yoga. And yeah. we talked about the toughness thing and this like kind of macho mentality that football players carry. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of went to like the opposite end of the spectrum again. So oh, were you ever yeah. resistant towards it? Oh, totally. At first, because I didn't know what it was. And I had this front desk job at Equinox in West Hollywood. And I didn't even know how to pronounce it. I just was like, oh, here's a group class. I'll go try it. And I walked in, shoes off. And I thought that was odd, but I was cool. I was cool with it. I walked in. My first experience, like, whoa. Luckily, I had a really great teacher who was awesome. Because um, I know for some people, they have a teacher that's just like, doesn't. they're not in the same wavelength with and They don't have a great experience. But mine was awesome. And all the things that I had run, like we talked earlier about, that I was had run from in my life when I was just the football player in the 60, 75 minute, 90 minute period of no talking, moving through these strenuous positions, holding them, they would all start to surface. And it was, there was something so powerful about that in this, in just being in the silence of it all. Right. Because now I wasn't running down a field trying to hit somebody. I was literally hearing my breath and I was still working really hard but I had to actually see what was starting to come up inside, like emotions, feelings, sometimes visual stuff would pop up if my eyes were closed. And it scared me at first. So I would go and come back and I would leave and come back. I would leave like I, w I would take two weeks a month and not do it again. And then it became a thing I would do consistently, um, you know, five times a week, sometimes even seven times a week. Uh, I became almost addicted, not to say addicted, but it was, yeah, it was an addiction of sorts because I was getting to know myself so much better in a really quiet space and a calm space, which as you know, is the opposite from, from the, the whole football scene, right? It's like, there's no calm, like there's rare, very rarely is there a calmness to, it's very violent and very aggressive and this was like it was like my my whole body was like yes <laughs> to this you know what i mean right um i loved it so much that i wanted to start teaching it and so after about six years of practicing then i started to take steps to teach it and what's interesting now having taught it for seven years i've kind of come to a similar realization that i wish <laughs> i wish i had never I don't say I wish I never, but I wish that um, I could still be just the practitioner. Because when you take that leap over into teaching it, something changes and you can't go back to just being the practitioner anymore, at least for me. And it's, it's, uh, it's another whole other book that I've been writing about the experience of teaching, being a former NFL or teaching yoga and the whole business of yoga. Um, that's interesting. And, yeah, it's been really challenging as where I'm at now because it changed my life in, in so many wonderful ways as the practitioner. And then I thought my mindset was the teaching will further this. And it did for, for, a, for a small bit. Um, and then it changed. Um, and so it's interesting now that I'm having another revelation of, of, like, of what – what's important for me and going back to the roots of why I started that, uh, started yoga to begin with, right. For personal exploration and 
um, I mean, like anything else, the world of teaching yoga, it's, it's a competitive thing. It's very business driven. It's, um, you're helping a lot of people at the same time, which I, I love. Um, but I think there's something very powerful about just having the mindset of the practitioner mindset, which is tough for me. It has been tough to go back to having now taught and knowing all that I know about yoga. Right. I guess like why, like is because now when you try to practice it, you're constantly like, like <laughs> you're constantly... critiquing or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's critiquing, there's style, there's, you know, you have so many, so many amazing teachers out there that, you know, know so much about the human body anatomy wise. And they're, um, I like being in the position of being taught what to do and new, like having revelations in my mind while practicing. It's very tough as a teacher because you're always thinking, or at least for me, I'm always thinking of, oh, I like how he said that. How can I integrate it in mine? Oh, I can't just be, it's tough to just be in the, in the classroom and taking class, right? Um, so uh, along with all the other interesting stories that I've had <laughs> from privates to uh, just people being human beings um, at what's supposed to be a very, you know, yogic, calm studio. Right. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, for sure, just in the beginning, say first six years of being a practitioner changed my life, changed my life. Like, and, and I can't express enough ways. And I think a lot of former athletes, um, if they find the right teacher to have a good exp first experience, it, they dig it because there's this extreme like we're, we come from an extreme sport so this extremity of like oh my god calmness you're asked to be like to take you're asked to look inside and see what's there versus let me see what you can do outside i don't really care what's inside you're just just do it right right yeah i've never really heard anyone put it that way but i i think back to an interview i did with a snow pro snowboarder named kevin pierce and oh, yeah. he found yoga at, during his recovery from a brain injury. And I'm just thinking, like, it's great for an athlete to kind of sit there and think about, like, that. those are when those thoughts pop up of, like, what am I without football? Or even when you're injured, it's not yeah. only, like, a therapeutic tool, like, physically, but the emotional side, it has that component as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 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 I think what, what drew me to it so much was it encompassed all that. Like it, it was emotional, it was physical, like, and it was okay to, it was, I gave myself permission to feel certain ways that I haven't felt or like were locked up for, for many years, um, to explore, um, to explore those emotions and to, to feel okay doing it. Like, um, Cause you know, like it's, it's very much like we went back, we talked about toughness, like toughness with, you don't, you don't show your emotions, right? Like I can look at, um, what's it called? The, uh, they do the documentary on following a team around for a season, all or nothing. Okay. I don't know if I've seen that one, but so Amazon, yeah, it's called all or nothing. And they'll fall like they fall around the LA, um, they fall around the Arizona Cardinals one year. And I was watching that just recently and I was thinking and seeing all the, the coaches and whatnot and everything, it was just so hard. And like the way we express, even now, like my body, I go, the way we express our emotions, very tough. Right. And it's like puffing your chest out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, the, like strong bravado. It's not okay. Like it's okay to cry, but it's like, it's not. And it's, uh, it's, it's so like awkward. 
right? right? Male intimacy. It's so awkward, right? And <laughs> it's like there's so there's such a better way to do it. But in that in that world, it's so, I don't know how that I don't. There are some head coaches that do it. Like Marty Schottenheimer was my first coach. He was great, and he used to cry all the time. <laughs> he used to cry in meetings all the time. He was the only coach really that was like he was open. And it wasn't in a raw, raw, tough kind of way. And I dug that. I really dug that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, just as we wrap up the interview, um, yeah. do you have any final thoughts or pieces of advice for athletes who are injured, transitioning, or still striving for the NFL? Yeah, man. Like, if you're still striving for the NFL, get, like, my hat goes off to you. It's it's the it, – we both know it's a tough, tough road to travel. So good on you if you're almost there. If you're there – um, injured and, and feel strong about continuing your goal, uh, to reach your goals, like for sure, continue to, to do it and do it to the best of your ability. And I would say for the guys transitioning, um, I know that it's, especially if you're just fresh out, it's challenging to, you're looking for something else to grab onto. Give yourself time and give yourself a whole lot of credit for doing what you just did. Right. Because so few people do what you just did. And I don't care if it was just like practice squad, like for myself and, and rosters here and there, like you got to put on an NFL jersey. Give yourself huge amounts of credit for that and then give yourself space. Let you be open to whatever comes your way or if you go journey, like let it all unfold as it does and and stay open Um and stay positive as best you can and um yeah and just keep just keep taking one day at a time one day at a time and stay away from vegas or no stay away from (laughs) (laughs) every once in a while i wouldn't suggest living there there, you know you're in a bit of trouble but visiting whatever is good (laughs) all right cool i'm just messing with you dude no it's good it's good all right so where can people find you on social media like personally and then also where can they help get the fifth down published nice okay so um social media wise it's just uh it's on instagram and twitter it's grant matos m-a-t-t-o-s uh just after the uh the handle or the uh url and uh Facebook, it's Grant Logan Matos. Um, and then for the book, if you type in um, on Google Kickstarter, The Fifth Down, um, it'll pop up to the campaign page or just go to grantmatos.com and uh, it's got everything there all laid out and a link to the to the Kickstarter page. So um, yeah, any support would be great. Uh, it's just been a wonderful process, um, writing the book. So whatever happens, happens. And it's been obviously amazing chatting with you about, uh, all this today as well. Well, Grant, thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your story and for writing this book for athletes in the future and non-athletes in the future who are struggling or at a low point and can help, you know, learn from your wisdom and get themselves out of it. And I really appreciate your time and coming on the show and, everything that you guys do i say you guys in that like your your friend group of of nfl former nflers i think you guys get it you know and i feel like you guys talk about the hard things that people most people don't talk about and to me that's what toughness is just like like what you said so thanks again man yeah of course i appreciate you